0: You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief on this Monday the 16th of September. Good afternoon. We're live on 101.9 FM in Johannesburg and worldwide on com. A little bit later in the show, I'm joined by Brian Wolfe and Sarita Wolf from AccuShirk. AccuShirk is a health and safety company that specializes in the area of fire awareness, prevention, and training. we have been chatting about what they do, but more importantly, an exciting competition that's coming up in the not-too-distant future. So all those security, safety officials out there, you need to tune in and you need to listen closely to this exciting competition that we're going to be chatting about. But first I'd like to chat about the week that was When Minister Chele last week uh, Began his announcement on crime stats He said this is not going to be rosy And he was not wrong It definitely was not rosy What stood out for me is that Murders are sitting at 58 today. We may as well round it off to 60 a day Which is worse than most battlefields in the world In the current scenario that we, we see um, But what really, really, really what came as a shock to me is that close on 700 children in the last statistical period have been charged with murder. Let me make that clear what I'm saying. Children, almost 800 of them have been charged with murder. In other words, they committed the murder. It's very sad from a generational perspective to see this happening, and we know that the change in crime is going to only be a generational change, and we know that abject poverty is a part and parcel of what is happening. But when one sees the spend of the national fiscus, we must make sure that we bring to the fore the fact that there is a problem with the spend, because if one looks at the spend when it comes to education, poverty alleviation, and just education in general, There has to be a problem, there has to be a shortfall And the massive unemployment rate that's sitting in the region of 30% does not help Nowhere do you hear of 800 children being accused of murder in one year We as South Africans need to come together and we need to fight this It may be a generational change but we can be the ones that create the catalyst That forces this generational change I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of High FM or its presenters. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Hi fm Today I'm chatting to Brian Wolf and Sarita Wolf from AccuShirk AccuShirk is a health and safety company That specializes in the area of fire awareness, prevention and training Manners dictate that I, I greet ladies first Sarita, welcome to the show Thank you Chad Sarita, um, AccuShirk um, it's, it's an organization that specializes in health and safety And there's obviously the fire component etc Um you yourself come from a fire background and you're involved extensively in fire investigations. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you got into the field of fire investigations.
1: Oh, that's a difficult one, Chad. Um, I joined the fire services in 1994, shortly before the elections. I was an operational firefighter for five, six years. I then started looking at other avenues of experience and came back to fire services, starting work at the Fire Protection Association in 2006, left there in 2016, and in 2017, we started AccuShook. At the moment, we do all fire-related training. Um, I myself do fire investigations, and um, we do fire surveys, fire risk assessments, and then, of course, training as as part of the awareness campaign against fire.
0: Bevan, if we're in America, I would still address you as chief because in America, once a person has retired from um, public service, they keep that, that rank and that designation. And you served uh, um, the city of Johannesburg um, with, with pride as a chief. Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Ted, I started in the fire services in 1981 and initially in operations progress through the ranks in different capacities was an instructor uh, was an um a station commander commanded a division as a uh, um, acting divisional chief in those days and then ended up working in the fire safety or the fire prevention department of the Johannesburg fire services until 2002 when i then joined the Fire Protection Association and worked with the Fire Protection Association until 2016. Thereafter a stint at the Institution of Fire Engineers and then we started our own company Acushirk, myself and Sarita.
0: So Acushirk from a Overall perspective, what is their, 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 services that they're offering to the public as, as, as a, as a whole? Is it a one-stop service for safety and, um, occupational safety and fire? Or does it, does it encompass other aspects of, of fire training or health and safety training?
2: Primarily, we do focus on the fire aspect and anything fire related in terms of safety and fire safety. And that includes training, that includes services like uh, fire risk assessments, uh, insurance surveys, specialist advice regarding fire systems and fire protection, etc. We also are involved with uh, the legal fraternity giving advice and um, appearing as expert witnesses giving expert testimony on many instances. So it's quite diverse on the fire side. We, Our safety, on the other hand, we have contracted um, persons that we utilize, and that includes water quality, that includes general um, occupation health and safety practitioners. Et cetera. So we we are very diverse in the occupation, health and safety sector.
0: Sarita, so it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that you're involved in fire investigations. And that's one of the reasons I invited both you and, and Bevan to the show. We've seen an influx in um, demonstrations that have turned violent of late. We've seen looting. We've seen arson attacks, etc. You're a, an investigator. Um, these are criminal acts. Do you find the need when you investigate that you have to describe the elements of the crime? What is it that you have to do as a fire investigator to be able to show the authorities that what was a fire could have, in fact, been arson?
1: Chad, first of all, I would like to, to clarify. It only becomes arson after being proved in a court of law that it was arson. So we speak about malicious damage to property or deliberate fire setting. Um, what we look at and... Get mandated during an investigation Is to find the origin of the fire And the cause of the fire And that is what we report back to the client So I would go I would get an appointment letter From a company Make an appointment with the insured Because it's usually insurance related And then go and Investigate where the fire started And what started it When it gets to Indicators of deliberate fire setting Which there are uh, numerous um, indicators of that And I must add that social media has made it a lot easier To indicate deliberate fire setting Because people like to take photos and videos of themselves Committing crimes, strangely enough Then... We just advise the client on the finding on what we found as the cause. They would then appoint a merit investigator that will go and find the, the culprit and determine means, motive, and opportunity.
0: With our current economic climate and with um, a lot of small and medium-sized enterprises not making the turnover they did Have you as an investigator seen Any increase in deliberate Fire setting that could be perhaps um, Internal
1: Where I'm sitting Here for this last financial Year no we haven't
0: I suppose that's one positive we can take away considering the economy um, has been in decline, especially with certain um, of the rating agencies placing us at junk and only one of us stating that we are uh, a state that we should be invested in. Um, I'll be straight back after this break with Bevan Wolf and Sarita Wolf chatting about fire prevention, fighting and training in South Africa. You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas, and today I'm chatting to Bevan Wolf and Sarita Wolf about their company AccuShirk, which is a company that deals primarily in health and safety and specialising in fire awareness, prevention and training. Um, Bevan, a lot has changed from 1981 when you joined the the fire services. Are you confident in um, our current emergency services, our current response times, etc.?
2: Chad, uh, yes, a lot of things have changed and obviously with the uh, economic situation that you have mentioned, uh, virtually all public services, etc., have been affected. They've had to adapt. They've had to scale down Um, They have been affected in that they don't have the resources that they possibly had years ago. Having said that, there are still positives and there are still services in South Africa that are still functioning at a reasonable and acceptable level. This might not meet the requirements of possibly a standard that has been set, uh, for instance, the SANS 10090 standard. But once again, that standard is based probably more on the ideal rather than what would be reasonable and acceptable in our country. So to make a broad statement on the services throughout the country actually would not be fair. There are services, and obviously we can say, uh, looking at certain incidents that have occurred in, for instance, Johannesburg, and response times certainly have been found to be lacking in many instances. That is a problem due to the lack of fire appliances, etc., etc. et cetera. And unfortunately, they are doing their best, but possibly not uh, meeting what would be targets that are set under the ideal but they are still trying to service, and they are still uh, honorable in the way in which they are conducting their services. So it, it, it's it's in totally incorrect to uh, continually criticize and to continually look for the negatives. There are still positives, and certainly their top management would love to have a lot of money suddenly become available that they could have the perfect environment. They're not going to and they are working towards getting it up to what is reasonable with what they've got and what they may get in the future.
0: Bevan, let's talk about the training. We know that equipment has obviously improved since 1981. Your appliances have improved. The equipment that the um, firefighters themselves wear have improved. And this, of course, has helped. Um, In the fighting of the fires But when it comes to a firefighter as an individual It takes a special kind of person The training that you Would have underwent in 1981 And the training that you would have given Throughout the 1990s compared to Training today, is it still the same Program, is it still the same length Of time and do we still recruit the same Kind of person?
2: The answer is very Simply no and It's one of the unfortunate situations That we have where technologically, things have improved. Unfortunately, to a large degree, we've lost the human factor, which, if you go back to the, the earlier days, and I don't want to speak about the old days, we speak about the, 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 the earlier days, where firefighting was more physical, where firefighting was based on a totally different curricula, but on more of a practical get-in-and-do-the-job the equipment was definitely if you look at your, your rescue equipment which has advanced dramatically over the years even your appliances have changed dramatically over the years but in some instances they they have tended to allow for the loss of that fireman which now is a firefighter uh, that, that aspect that was uh, the the human factor in firefighting and uh, certainly, in many instances, it's advocated that we look at possibly getting that back, and it possibly is is necessary. The other um, influential factor, of course, is that we went at a stage from what used to be known as the British curriculum, and we moved to an American curriculum under the IFSAC or the IFSTA uh, model of training, and. I personally believe there are certain aspects that were lost when it comes to the physical firefighting. And due to the fact that if you look at what the training is based on, you would have an abundance of appliances, you would have an abundance of uh, personnel on an appliance, which you don't have available in South Africa. And that is... Uh, disadvantageous in many instances where an appliance arrives reasonably short-staffed, lack of other appliances to follow as assistance and unfortunately they are trained to work under the ideal conditions. And we've seen it in recent years where there have been incidents where um, there has been Disaster, unfortunately. There has been injury. There has even been the loss of life where possibly it is because of a possible lack of training and also a lack of implementation of the equipment and the, 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 the the, the personnel in a way that is more suited to what we have on the ground in South Africa.
0: For those that are just joining us, we're chatting to Bevan Wolf and Sarita Wolf about firefighting prevention, awareness, and training in South Africa. Sarita, we've spoken about how training may have changed um, and the different challenges that that face firemen on the ground, including um, access to appliances. And for those of us that don't know, when we refer to an appliance, it's commonly known as a fire engine. So a fire engine is an appliance. Um, I don't expect you to go into detail. We wouldn't expect you to, but, um, you have uh, a knowledge of the fire that took place in the Bank of Lisbon building where, unfortunately, three people lost their lives. We've just recently celebrated, um, their lives in terms of the anniversary of that and they, they, they held in remembrance by the city of Johannesburg and the residents. Has there been an increase in fires within the city of Johannesburg itself? Due to to urbanisation, would you say that Johannesburg has become problematic because so many old office buildings have been converted into poor living accommodation? When I say poor, I'm not talking about an economic standard of individual. I'm talking about the 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 poor state of safety, etc. Do you think we've got major fire risks that exist within the CBD,
1: Yes, I do, for various reasons, though. Um, most of the buildings were built a very long time ago in my perception of age. Um, some of these buildings are 50, 60, 70 years old. They were built brilliantly for the construction types and methods of the time they were built. They were safe buildings. And as the city grew, buildings were added, floors were added to to buildings, intermediate floors were added, and the original designs – Sometimes were breached We've seen fires in the CBD In occupied buildings That are used as offices As they were designed And the buildings had stood up To what they were designed for But we also have a problem In the CBD where old buildings Are being vandalized People are moving in And turning it into informal Sleeping quarters Because the buildings have been evacuated and just left vacant. And those type of buildings and fires in those type of buildings causes a bigger life loss than a normally occupied, designed, and controlled building.
0: So hijacked buildings are obviously a major issue. Um, we raided a building about two, three years ago, the Faties building across from Bank City um, in Johannesburg, and it had um, one functioning um fire reel and hose your guys would give me the correct terminology but it was being used to supply water to the people who had hijacked this building and a building that should have maybe housed 2000 was now housing between 5 and 10000 it was very difficult to estimate because a lot of gangs came and went a lot of people used the basement converted the basement etc and walking through there I thought to myself if a fire has to occur here there's going to be massive massive loss of life and when one looks at um, the Grenfell Tower in 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 England that burned down and that's in England of all countries where safety and security is of paramount importance i find it surprising but fortunate that we haven't had a massive disaster yet
1: absolutely there there are certain things that counted against the Grenfell Tower and which from a modern fire engineering perspective was Surprising, and that was the building cladding that was used and the way the building was subdivided, and the policies that were in place when it came to evacuation. in our own city, we in a hijacked building, there are no policies and procedures. everybody is just trying to put a roof over their heads, and what we've seen is that when a domestic quarrel starts and people start getting hot headed, that's when fires, accidental fires start, that causes a loss of life and major damage to the building and the building structure itself.
0: We're chatting about fire, fire awareness, fire training, firefighting with two experts in the industry, Bevan Wolf and Sarita Wolf. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be continuing this very interesting conversation. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Today I'm chatting to Bevan Wolf and Sarita Wolf from AcuShirk. And, um, yeah, I'd love to chat to them about the surname Wolf and Wolf. Doesn't take a detective to assume that the two of you most probably met on the job. Bevan, did you guys meet on the job? Turbbed about the term on the job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yes, uh, we, we did meet whilst working as colleagues and yes, uh, romantically we became involved
0: and we are married. So it wasn't a candlelit dinner, it was a building that was on fire that brought you together.
2: It was something close to that, a a, a smokehouse
0: or something that we were in together yes. And how do you find it working together, Sarita, coming from um, the public service together and now working in the private sector together um, I'm in a very similar situation where my wife and I work together Um, how do you find
1: it? I think it, it takes two very special people to be able to make it to work. Um, it is hard work, both on the operational side as well as the, the personal side. What counts in our favor is the fact that we service two different sides of the industry. Bevan is highly um, acclaimed in the legal fraternity. Um, he specializes in fire safety, fire prevention, um, Expert testimony on legislation. I myself did fire investigations and training and those type of things. So we, we work together, but we're not in each other's space for a lack of a better term. We service two separate sides of the industry. And if I need assistance or input, I would ask him and vice versa. Well,
0: that's great to hear. It's nice to still see organizations that are run by people that are in a relationship. Um, It's nice to see family-run business because it's something we're losing sight of. And I find that there's a lot more commitment from an organization that's run by um, people that are passionate about the business and people who perhaps have a a, a personal relationship. Um, Bevan, ever thought of smothering your wife? (laughs)
2: I'm not going to commit to that one. (laughs) No, we actually, uh, anybody will have their, their, their moments when certainly we don't agree and so forth. But on the whole, we do work very well together.
0: Well, let's get back to the business of the day Now that we know the two of you are in fact married And you you are in fact Very, very highly considered And acclaimed within your industry Let's chat about the reason I asked you to be on air um, Sarita, there's a competition coming up And the competition caught my eye Immediately um, Many years ago For my sins, I was the Portfolio property manager for a, a Bank that owned a lot of properties in Johannesburg and for team building, as well as for, obviously, the most important reason being safety and security, etc., my staff were, were taken on a variety of courses, whether it was um, first aid, level one, level two, level three training, whether it was training in respect of security, but we also took them on fire training. We took them through to Jet Park for training. We took them through to Brixton for training, and it was very much comaradi it was very much team building it was fun to a certain extent but also very scary i remember being in the in the in the firehouse the smoke room i remember being in the tunnels becoming very claustrophobic and thinking to myself what a special kind of person it takes to be a firefighter and i could never ever be a firefighter because it takes so much commitment. It's such a, a scary environment. But now you are taking it out into the, the public sphere, you challenging organizations to participate. Tell us about this competition.
1: Chad, we're running two con- competitions on the 26th of September. The one is a fire team competition, which consists out of a team of six people, They will do a large amateur hose drill, knocking down targets, doing um, hose drill variations like unmanned hose, replacing a length. Then there's also two extinguisher drills that they have to complete. They do that against time, obviously with absolute safety in mind. And then based on their time and minus the penalties, they will then get awarded a first, second, and third place. The other competition that we are running that we thought your audience would be interested in is a fire marshal or designated person competition. In the normal workplace, you will never attempt to extinguish a fire on your own. You will always have a backup person, and that's why we designed the competition such that there's two people in this fire marshal team they will start out doing a hose reel drill with equipment that you would normally find in a building. They will then also have to knock down targets, but the one person assists the the person holding the nozzle to knock down the targets. Then the other two drills they have to complete, the one is a computer fire and the other one is a small pan fire using equipment that you would find in an office environment.
0: Now, when I think about office environments, I think of smaller-sized factories, etc. We're not talking about organisations where occupational health and safety play a primary role, where they they have x amounts of days free of accidents, etc. Such as the mines, such as manufacturing, etc. I'm thinking about normal organisations. They rely primarily on their security and safety officials um, on site. Maybe somebody's um, been appointed as the safety rep for that particular floor, etc. Would you also invite security companies? to participate in this type of, of
1: competition? Absolutely. I have found through all the investigations that I've done that usually people have security systems in their houses. These security systems activate when there's a fire, and the first person on scene is usually the security guard of the contracted company. And if they properly trained, they inhibit the spread of the fire and prevent major damage to the building. So absolutely, they are more than welcome to come and participate because we are aware of their capabilities.
0: Bevan, when one looks at suburbia these days, all you see are these tactically trained security companies that are patrolling, and due to the amount of of, of feet on the ground, vehicles on the ground, etc., they usually are first on the scene, and a lot of them have equipped themselves with with firefighting type equipment. Not, of course, at the level that you'd expect from 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 a city's fire department, but but ex- extinguishers, limited, be it powder, be it um, um, uh, Whatever the case may be What training would you recommend These tactical security officers Undergo to be able To carry these extinguishers On their vehicles and to be able to assist As primary first responders
2: Chad uh, All security officers Are supposed to have at least done A a, a minor type of And basic type of uh, Firefighter training But yes, it, it would be advisable that any person who is in a position that they respond to a uh, possible fire incident as part of their security functions, they should at least be able to use the basic equipment like extinguishers and to to deal with an incipient fire when they arrive and they have one and particularly to motor vehicles not only their own motor vehicle where they come across an accident and so forth, they can also be of assistance. And it once again is it is good for the security industry to have people that are suitably trained in the choose and the choice and the use of extinguishers, understand what the classes of fire are, and have a knowledge of what the actions when using basic first aid equipment is. Uh, that includes, obviously, when a security person arrives at a medium or high-rise building, office stop complex, a shopping center, uh, that includes using the hose reels that are available on-site and are also part of your first line and your first aid firefighting equipment. So it would be good that they were trained in extinguishers and hose reels, in basic evacuation drills to assist with on arrival with the evacuation of personnel and so forth. Thereafter, if they choose to start using other equipment, more specialized equipment, then they need to have the appropriate training in that which they are using.
0: That being said, uh, we're going to take our final break of the day when we come back we're going to chat about how you can get involved in these competitions or if you just need the training and the fire awareness campaigns etc for your business how to get in contact with bevan or sarita from akishirk you're listening to the confidential brief with chad thomas on high fm We're live on 101.9 FM in Johannesburg. My name is Chad Thomas, and this is Confidential Brief Radio Show. I'd like to take this opportunity to challenge all my uh, friends and colleagues out there, specifically in the security industry, that are running tactical support. We're seeing more and more and more um, prevalence of these vehicles in the areas we see more and more services rendered by these companies. We're talking about CAP, we're talking about Cortec, we're talking about Vision Tactical, we're talking about Mantis, we're talking about all those companies in our area. I would love to see them participate in a competition like this. To see, you know, just for just for the, the 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 sake of participating going up against a, a fellow um security provider in the in the area to see how you stand up you know we never have these kind of competitions where we get to measure ourselves against our peers and although none of us our um, firefighters, we are security and investigation specialists A lot of our companies are providing tactical support they are, they are first on the scene And I think it's necessary for them to see the abilities of their staff And perhaps where they, they, they fall short And a competition like this is ideal So tell us more about where the competition is going to be held The times it's going to be held when it's going to be held, and how people can get involved, Sarita.
1: Chat the date of the competition is 26 September, which is in a week and a half's time. The venue is at Brixton Commercial Training Facility in Brixton, next to the Brixton Fire Station. To enter, people can enter on our website. They can phone me direct at 72 Or they can just send an email to admin at accushirk.co.za. And Accushirk is spelled A-C-C-U-S-H-E-R-Q. And we will just forward the application form and the rules for the competition.
0: I'll be uploading all those details on the Confidential Brief Radio Show Facebook page as well as on our other social media platforms. Bevan, in closing, why is it so important for organizations, companies, homeowners to take responsibility for initial fighting of a fire? Um, Should they be um, receiving some form of training? Should they be training those around them or should they just be 100% reliant on the services provided by the city?
2: said they should not at all be um, dependent on the city's fire services and that is not because of the response etc but that is because the primary responsibility of any building owner, any employer, firstly in terms of law is to protect the occupants to protect the family to protect yourself uh, secondly it is best practice to have the correct equipment and then obviously to have the training in whatever you have on your premises, whether it be advanced firefighting equipment, whether it be the basic first aid equipment, but training to use that effectively, efficiently and safely in the event of a fire or in the event of any other emergency. And then obviously in line with that is that any, it does not matter how small, it does not matter how big it an organization is, they should have a program which is for the fire safety of the occupants and of their property. And we speak about a fire safety program or fire safety management programs. There's various ways of talking, which includes, first of all, maintaining and ensuring that your protection is adequate while you wait for the arrival of the fire services. Secondly, that your your installed protection is such that the fire will not migrate to a, an extent that it endangers people, other property, or your own property. And then finally, obviously, that your people can evacuate safely. That is the most important, that your people can get out of the building and we don't have loss of life. So it is the onus of the owner to provide that.
0: Well, there you have it. If you want to find out more about AccuShirk and the services they provide, I will be uploading a link to the Confidential Brief radio show page on Facebook. Sarita, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chad. Bevan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming into studio. Thank you very much, Chad. And I really look forward to the competition on the 26th of September at the Brixton Commercial Fire Academy.